we've been in a series in the life of Moses, a man who God called to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt, an absolutely impossible task, one to which he uh, argued and complained and tried to get out of in a number of different ways. Uh, God says, nope, uh, I have a plan. I'm going to empower this mission and this opportunity. Sounds a little bit similar to a story we were just hearing. And God did exactly that, led his people out of Egypt. Pharaoh drives them out of the country, ends up pursuing them, saying, hold on, what am I going to do now that I've lost some two million people uh, that were slaves in my nation? How will my nation survive? So Pharaoh pursues them. Uh, You've heard the story maybe of the parting of the Red Sea and the Israelites pass through, and then eventually as the armies, the chariots of Pharaoh pass uh, into the water to chase them down, the water comes crashing in and their army is destroyed. Israel is now wandering through the desert, heading towards a land that God had promised to the nation of Israel, heading towards Canaan. Uh, but things were not always easy in their travels. And so we're going to start reading in Exodus 16. And at this point, they've been traveling for about a month. So this is a month into their journey. And we have a large text and little time. And so we really wanted to allow um, scripture to speak. So we're going to read through the whole story all at once, and we invite you to listen as we speak, as we read this story, and we invite you to listen for for how God provides for Israel and Israel's response to God's provision. So how God is providing and how Israel responds. Exodus chapter 16, the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. One quick quick clarification, uh, the name of this uh, region, the desert of Sin, has nothing to do with the English word sin, okay? Uh, So they travel to this area some month and a half into their journeys. Um, In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron, the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food that we wanted, but you have brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my directions, my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gathered on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. 
That evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left over and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will, there, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna with the tablets. um, Wait a second. I lost it. Where am I? That's it. I lost my place. Well, we skipped verse, a, we skipped a few. Verse a couple 35. Verses. Here, let's go to verse 35. The Israelites ate manna 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. All right. So, our text today begins with a grumbling people. Have you ever been around those people? Those grumbling people, it's just a joy, right? Just brings life to your uh, day. Uh, they, they begin grumbling, uh, and, and part of their grumbling is uh, appropriate and reasonable. Let's be honest. They left Egypt, and now they find themselves in a desert, some, I don't know, two million people with no way to sustain themselves or to survive. And so part of this grumbling, I think, is quite reasonable. And then on the other hand, if uh, Israel was able to zoom out just a little bit or to remember just a little ways back in their history, uh, they would recognize a pattern that's been playing out. Uh, In their distress, in their frustration, they cry out against God, and God 
God who is faithful to them provides. The, the opportunity that they need is afforded, and they are saved, and they are okay. They are rescued from slavery, and they are given all that they need to survive. And so if they were to recognize this pattern, it's possible there'd be a little bit less grumbling in this moment. But apparently they don't. And so they cry out to God, even romanticizing their slavery in Egypt. It was so much better back then. Remember all that food we sat and ate in Egypt? Have you brought us out here just to starve to death in the desert? And God responds to this grumbling, this, this accusation that you're not taking care of us. God responds with this phrase that I love. He says, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And I get this picture of just these massive rainfall. God says, I will provide for you in ways that you can't even imagine this abundant provision, this extravagant, miraculous provision will be, will be rained down on you. And, and he also says, and I will test you to see if you will follow my instructions. And this isn't about like listening skills or anything like this. This is about Israel's desire to follow God, Israel's desire to listen to God and to obey him. And God says, I'm going to provide abundantly for you. And I'm going to give you instructions on, on how this is going to go down. And I want you to follow these instructions. One of the instructions that I think is really interesting and fascinating in here. And, and so, so God is that he says, you're, I'm going to provide for you daily, every day. And you are just to gather what you need for that day. There's that one exception that we'll talk about. But every day, trust me and know that I will provide for you. And so, in fact, God does provide. And in two ways we see in the text. Um, so initially, he sends quail, right? And I, and I love kind of the description of what happens here. Uh, a flock of quail flies in and then just dies midair and just falls upon them. Like, it is the hand of God. Uh, these birds, it's not like that horror movie birds exactly, but maybe a little bit similar. The birds come in. I don't in. think it was similar, no. Okay. It had to be a sight, though. And just drop dead, uh, and and the ground and everything is covered in their provision. Right, the hand of God is at work. And then, more importantly, uh, is this manna. And now, Israel throughout their history will speak of the God that daily provided manna for them that they could survive. And what's interesting, just a little a little linguistic tidbit in Old Hebrew, what they would be speaking at this time. The question, "What is it?" sounds like manna. So basically what they called this provision was the question, what is it? Like when, when they asked it, I don't know, what, what is it? That's the name that stuck. That, that's what manna means. What is it? And I think, find that fascinating because so often, at least in my life, and I'm guessing in many of our lives, when we ask God to provide, we, we have an expectation. This is what it's going to look like. Here's my list, Lord. If you could bless me and this is how I want to be blessed right here. Like if you could do this, this, and this. And also here's my timing that I would like to see those things done. We, we come to God with an agenda for how we want God to work in our lives. And so I love this because God promises and, and we see it in this story. God does provide abundantly for the Israelites, but it's not what they had expected. What's interesting to me in the text is the way God provides um, 
and then lay some expectation out there for them as well, right? Now, this is how I expect for this provision and your experience of it uh, to play out in your nation. And, uh, you know, it says he's testing them, one. Uh, I think also, continually throughout the story of Israel, we see God training them, teaching them to walk and step with him. Will you walk at my pace? Will you follow my lead? Because there comes great blessing in walking with me. You know, when I think about that, I, th- I think to a few soccer games I've been to. I don't know if you've been to a soccer game for like three, four, and five-year-olds. Have you ever watched one of those soccer games? And, uh, and so you see the coach gather all the kids, and that's a feat in and of itself. And then, and, you know, the coach gives some sort of instruction. Okay, you guys go over here, and you guys go over here. And then the game starts, and what happens? I mean, we all know all the kids, like, are just attracted to the ball. And all we see is this cute little mass of energy going like this all together. And it's funny, and it's cute because their little brains just aren't developed enough to understand the strategy of moving apart and and how to get the ball down down the field. You know, when the Israelites didn't follow God's instruction, it wasn't cute and it wasn't funny for Moses. In fact, it says that Moses was angry because it's not that they didn't understand. It's not that they couldn't understand what God was saying. Rather, it's that they didn't they didn't trust God. To, to follow his instructions that seemed unusual to them, that to follow instructions that didn't make sense with how they expected things to go. And so one of God's provisions and expectations for them was Sabbath. And we're not going to take a lot of time today. We, we've done whole lessons and series on Sabbath. It's such an important concept. But I do want to overview it for just a minute because this is the beginning of God uh, rolling out for his people what Sabbath will look like. Eventually there'll be commandments and greater instruction about it. Um, but Sabbath is uh, placing on the Israelites an expectation that they would rest in God's presence. It's really interesting. I mean, they're in a desert. They're traveling. The conditions are hard. And yet God says, even in this season of your nation's journey, I want you to learn to rest and to rest in my presence. And so God gives extra provision. On that sixth day, you'll have enough together so that you won't have to work on that seventh day. I expect for you to rest. How many of us in this room take rest seriously? This is good. Some of us do. But that is not a cultural norm, right? We live in a culture that we go 24-7, productivity is everything, right? And yet God, for his people, from the very beginning of their journey out of Exodus, said, I want you to be a people that learn to rest, a people that learn specifically to rest in me. Uh, Walter Brueggemann writes a book called Sabbath as Resistance, Sabbath as resistance. And and what he's talking about in this book is uh, about resisting a culture that draws us into uh, constant consumption and to constant performance and constant accomplishment. And he says, Sabbath is a resistance against that. Sabbath is a realization of our need to be in the presence of our Heavenly Father. It is a different way of being. 
He argues in this book, Brueggemann argues that a Sabbath is not simply about keeping rules, about doing or not doing certain things on a given day, but it's about bringing wholeness to a person and, in fact, restoring societies to wholeness. It's a remarkable concept. And so we see in our text today, as soon as Israel enters uh, or exits Egypt and, and, and heads out into the desert, Jesus, or God says to them, uh, I want you to learn to be a people that will rest in me. And this is part of God's provision, his extravagant, abundant provision for Israel. They're, they're grumbling about food, and God says, I've got you. Not only do I have your food covered, but I have so much more for you that it's not even on your mind. You know, as I was thinking about this, remembering this is just a month out of Egypt. So all these people had grown up in slavery. As you can imagine, they didn't have rest days. They didn't have leisurely time. And so this is a totally foreign concept for them. And so God is caring for his people physically, but he's also caring for his people spiritually and emotionally and looking at the whole person and, and establishing the Sabbath rest for the whole community. So that fosters community and relationship and, and the Sabbath, this idea of Sabbath, as like Micah said, is going to grow and be this beautiful, beautiful thing in um, the, the Israelite culture. The final verse in our text today, in verse chapter 16, verse 35, it said, the Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border border of Canaan. Now, Canaan was this promised land. God said, I will bring you out of Egypt, and I will give you this land, Canaan. And so for all of the time that they traveled until they reached Canaan, God provided manna for them. He provided this, what is this sort of a meal? But every day, they had what they needed because God provided. We see in this the character of God, a God who is faithful, a God who is consistent, a God who cares for his people. That is what Israel came to realize as every day they received the food that they needed. It's pretty amazing when you zoom out and you look at the whole picture and you see how God provides. You see, and you see human nature in it. You see the grumbling and the lack of faith and you see God's provision that, um, far exceeded their imagination at that time. And so God provides in amazing ways. And I, I want to, I love the connection here to how a, a God who continues to provide. As we think about how does God provide for us here and now? I mean, there's so many ways to answer that question, but we want to go to John 6 in the words of Jesus in John 6, starting in verse 30. Yeah, in this text, uh, some people are asking Jesus, you know, prove to us you are who you claim to be. And he's going to call back upon this idea of manna uh, in the desert. Uh, John 6, verse 30. Um, so they asked him, what sign will you give uh, that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness as it was written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you, given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, uh, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In so many cultures around the world, bread is at the heart of, of the food, you know, that the, the substance, that's what gets people through. And Jesus here uses that metaphor. So I am the bread of life. I am the source of life. I am the one who, who nourishes you, who sustains you. Again, God providing abundantly, extravagantly for us and inviting us to experience life in Jesus, a life that is abundant, a life in which we are, we are sustained and taken care of by God himself. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thought. As, as we connect the story of the Israelites and Moses and ma- God's provision through manna to how God provided of himself Jesus in order to bring life and hope into this world. Jesus describes himself in this text as the bread of life. And I think uh, many of us approach this text in the same way Israel approached the bread. They call it, what is this, right? Uh, they call it manna. What in the world is this that God is providing for us? And I think uh, at some point in all of our lives, we approach Jesus in that same way. What is this? Who is this? What does this mean? Jesus describes himself in this conversation of manna as bread of life. He will be our sustenance. He will be what sustains us in this life. And so we, as followers of Jesus, are on this journey together, exploring what does it mean to receive from Jesus the things we need to survive, to fill us, to make us whole and full. And in this very text that we read today about manna, God establishes this idea of Sabbath. It is an invitation not just to Israel, but to you and I to learn to rest in the presence of God, and in so doing, to find our wholeness, our strength, our sustenance in a Father, in Jesus the Son, in the Holy Spirit, to find in God what we need to survive, to keep walking in this life. So I invite you to pray with me. Dear God, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you are the bread of life. And Lord, sometimes we ask, well, what does this look like? Like, what does this mean? Who are you? And how does it relate to my life? And Lord, I thank you for all those questions that may be being asked today. And I pray, God, for for myself and for this community, Lord, that we would continually be placing ourselves into your loving hands, that you would continue to do the good work of healing in our lives, the good work of making us whole, Lord, the good work of teaching us what it looks like to live a loving life like Jesus lived. And so, God, may we open ourselves up to you to receive this abundant life that you so so want to lavish on us, this life full of your love and your mercy and your grace and your joy and your strength. Lord, may, may we live in you living in Christ. And that that's what that means, to live in that life that you so extravagantly provide. So Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our, our, our manna, our bread of life. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.